if you had one opportunity to preach the entire world, and I, I mentioned to you that I know exactly what I would say as far as it just being a very fundamental, basic, I don't know that you can get any more basic than, then where did we come from, why are we here, where are we going, and how do we get there? If I had an opportunity to preach to the Lord's church just one time, and it's kind of hard to say for sure that this is the one lesson that I'd preach. But I think it would certainly be on the short list. One lesson to preach to the saved, to the kingdom of God, what would you say to them if you had just one opportunity? Of course, there are all sorts of things that God wants us to, to be studying and learning and teaching and reminding each other about. But as far as just very, very fundamental things, I can't really imagine that there being too much more fundamental than what are your two main goals in life? What are they? I mean, if you were to, to evaluate your, your mindset and your life right now, every one of us individually, what would you say that your main goal, number one, and your second goal, number two, what are they? And if we're, we ought to be honest with ourselves, we, you know, honestly, what is your main goal in life and what is your second main goal in life? And I think this is so fundamental to, uh, to who we are and what we are that, I mean, can't, can't we just say that generally speaking in life, that you can see what a person's main goals are, at least some of them, just by the way they live. I mean, if someone were to ask you, what is, and I don't know who, I don't know these people, obviously, personally, but if someone said, what do you think Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn's, some of their biggest goals are, or Dabo Sweeney, what do you think their, some of their biggest goals are? I'm not saying that I know their top goal, one or two, but you know by the way that they live day after day, by the way that they do things, by the reportings that you hear on ESPN 24-7 and talk radio, you pretty much know by the way they recruit, by the way they coach, by the hours and hours and hours of time that they spend. You know, I don't think that making straight A's in school is the most important thing in the world, except for Shelby. That's one of the most important things for her right now. But anyway, I don't think it's the most important thing in the world. But you know, if you have a, a child, if you have a student teachers, who, who their, one of their goals is, I want to make straight A's. And, um, and you see them wanting to make straight Let's say it's not just in grade school, middle school, high school. Let's say it's even in college. And again, I understand that a lot of employers don't necessarily care, sorry kids, if you make stray days, they want to know can you work, can you do what they're hiring you to do, but if, if one of your goals is I want to make stray days even though I'm taking you know, human anatomy and physiology and I'm taking Hebrew and I'm taking this course and that course, you know what that looks like, right? If that's some of their main goals, then what does their life look, right? look like? Excuse me. It looks like... I'm staying up late tonight studying. I'm getting up early in the morning and studying, and I'm, I'm not going to skip my classes because I want this. And I mean, you know what that looks like. In, in, in generally speaking, in everyday life, I mean, we can kind of see what a person's priorities are. We can generally see what people's goals are. I mean, they're real goals, 
by how they live. I think all of us, those who have grown up in the church, pretty much know that our two main goals, I mean, I think there are probably a lot of very young people in here, if you were to ask them, what is your main goal in life? Rob's probably been over some of this with some of the, the uh, pew packers. Maybe some of the Bible class teachers have said, no, the main goal in life is, well, it's, you know, not to get a red slushy the next time you go to Walmart, or that, maybe that was at Kmart, and now Kmarts are all closed, right? But, you know, I used to, I, I used to want a red slushy when I went to Kmart as a kid. No, my main goal is to get a, well, what, I think even our, our, our youngest ones here just about could say, the main goal in life is to go to heaven. And what's the second main goal? The second main goal in life is for the Christian. Is this really our main, is this my main goal? Is this your main goal? To take anyone and everyone with us. You know, we, uh, no doubt, in our previous lives as non-Christians, we, we had a variety of, of goals, a variety of uh, things that, that we, you know, took pride in, that, I mean, this is who we are, this is what we do. You remember Paul talked about some of that when he wrote to the church at Philippi. And, of course, after he became a Christian, he said, you know, we rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He said, if anyone ought to have confidence and could have confidence in the flesh, it could be Paul. He's talking about his, his accomplishments as a Jew. I mean, he's of Israel. He's of the, the tribe of, of Benjamin. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was a Pharisee concerning the law. He was, he was blameless. But this is what Paul said about his old life. He said... But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I mean, he was somebody among the millions of Jews there in the first century. He was somebody. I mean, you know, in, in politics you might say he was, he was maybe one of the senators, you know, in the United States. I mean, he was, he was somebody. And he says, I have counted all this refuse. I have counted it, the King James says, Dung, the New King James says, rubbish. I mean, that's about as low as you can get. That's what my old life is because now my new life is all about reaching forward to the day of Jesus' return. It's so that my faith in Him might be sight, that I might be rewarded with what God is going to reward me with. That, that, was, that was Paul's mindset. That, this is, that was my old life, and now this is my new life. He was writing to the church at Corinth and said... That we are, I am, we have become, once we have become Christians, a new creature. Or the King James says, a, a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We got a new way to go. We have an, a new life. He spent a good amount of time in various places and various epistles talking about we have to put to death the old man, right? Didn't he talk to that, about that to the Romans in Romans chapter 6? I'm dying to the old man. I'm going to rise up in the watery grave of baptism. I'm going to rise up and walk a new life. He said to the church at Colossae, 
Put to death your old self. Put to death your members. And he's talking about, well, if, if I'm walking in the flesh and I'm doing fleshly things and I'm, I'm using bad language and I am uh, partaking of fornication and adultery and the lust of the flesh, well, I'm putting to death that man. I'm walking a new path now. This is who I am. You see, you see how this reflects who he is and what his, his goals are in life? His, his two main goals. What does, uh, what does the purpose of Jesus tell us about ourselves? Well, you, I mean, come on, we know what the purpose of Jesus was, right? I mean, wow, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are full of, you see, again, let me back up just for a minute and say, I, I, I really believe that this lesson is, is so vital to everyone, so simple. I mean, I don't know that you could get a more simple lesson than this, but I think it's, it's very helpful because Satan wants nothing more than for us to, be, to, to act frustrated and confused with our Christianity. We want to become, Satan wants us to become fixated with the complicated. He wants us to become focused on that which blurs our spiritual vision. He wants us to focus on physical things constantly so that we're not thinking about the eternal spiritual things that are forever. And I believe that this lesson is, is so important for all of us to just remember day after day because it makes the Christian life not easy, but it makes it simple to understand. What are your two main goals in life? I mean, Jesus said, this was Jesus' goal. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In the previous verse, in John chapter 10, verse 9, he says that he's, he's the door, he's the way, right? And I, I've come, and I want you to enter into his church. And he wants you to be safe in his arms. He wants you to, to do things his way. His purpose was so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. A chapter later, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. What's your main goal in life? To go to heaven. You know why you can? Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And by the way, Jesus' whole purpose was so that, that we might be saved. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. I am, Jesus says, the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That was Jesus' purpose. That, that's what He wanted. That's what, that's what He spent His time focused on, on you and me. And I believe that these thoughts can just help refocus us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You remember when Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15? He said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 
to save sinners. Just a few verses later, he said, God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. John 8, 32, the truth that shall set you free from bondage, from sin, and from the wages of sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which is death. This was Jesus' purpose. This is what he did. In fact, before he ever even was born of a woman, you recall that, that Joseph, his earthly father, found out that Mary was with child and he was ready to put her away. And an angel appeared to, uh, to Joseph and said, No, don't do that. She is of the Holy Spirit. I mean, she, this conception is a miraculous conception. So, so don't put her away. She's going to bear a son. And his name will be called Jesus. You know what Jesus means, don't you? In Greek, it's Jesus. In Hebrew and Aramaic, it's Yahshua. Does that sound familiar? Joshua. Yeshua or Yahshua. It's Jehovah or Yahweh is what? Is salvation. His very name reflects His purpose. His purpose Luke chapter 19, verse 10, a verse that you're familiar with, right? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You know, the Christian life is really very simple. What's your number one goal and what's your number two goal? And you remember that Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what kind of mindset is that? Well, I, in context, you might say the overall context of the gospel accounts is Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Well, what does Paul say in the previous verse there in Philippians chapter 2? He said, this was verse 4. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Our goal should be what Jesus' goal was. Now Jesus' goal wasn't to go to heaven because he was already in heaven. He chose to leave the blessedness of heaven to come to earth put on flesh to become a servant. Why? Because he was looking out for the eternal interest of others. So his number one goal is not to go to heaven. He's already in heaven. Our number one goal is to go to heaven. And number two, it's his main goal to look out for the interest of others. I mean, think about the two greatest commands. Don't they really just sum this up? The two greatest commands that, that Jesus gave that he said really summarize the entire Old Testament. What are the, what's the greatest command? Jesus was asked. Well, to, to love God with everything. With your heart, soul, and mind. With your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With everything you have. That's number one. Love God. Really love Him. And number two, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. What are the two main goals? I want to go to heaven and I want to take anyone and everyone with me. 
Now I realize, Jesus said, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereby. Matthew 7, 13. So when we say anyone and everyone, we mean anyone and everyone that will choose the way by what they hear us say, by what they see us do, by the life that we live on a daily basis. What do our goals say about us? You know, I'm not going to ask you to look to the person to the left of you and look. I'm, I'm not going to ask. You can if you want to. And look to the person to the right of you and behind you in front of you. But here is what I believe God wants us to truly he wants us to, to ask ourselves, is this truly what we want for the person sitting in front of me, for the person sitting behind me and to the left of me and to the right of me? Do I have, do you have the other person's best interest in mind? If so, think about how that plays out in our everyday lives. And I tell you, when I think about that, I think about how often I have failed miserably, miserably in my life. Because instead of always thinking about what is best for the person to the left of me, right of me, in front of me that forgets to turn their blinker on when they're driving and I almost hit them, to think about, you know, I care more about their... I mean, it wasn't that story really cool that Jason told us, uh, I believe it was Wednesday night, that Brent Misseldine from Prattville, that was, he was in a wreck some time ago on the interstate, wound up not cursing the guy out, not just making him feel terrible because he made a mistake. You ever made a mistake before? You ever been in an accident that was your fault before? But eventually set up a Bible study with him and sometime later, by the grace of God, immersed him into Jesus for the remission of sins. And now he is a brother in Christ and worships with the church up in Birmingham. I know that Brent Misseldine's not perfect. Now, his wife may say that he is. He's a really good man. But I tell you, what does that tell us about Brother Brent Misseldine? That he's, he's interested in, in taking Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself seriously. See, this, boy, this just really isn't rocket science, is it? I mean, it's what are your two main goals? Does your life look like the two main goals you say are your two main goals, is that really what is exemplified daily in our lives? I mean, think about the Apostle Paul's purpose. And let me just try to connect with this with, with what Jesus said and, and, and what we read there about loving our neighbor as ourselves. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 14, Jesus says, excuse me, Paul says, the love of Christ, love, your, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, the love of Christ compels us. Compels us to do what? In this passage there in 2 Corinthians 5, it is about the Apostle Paul and the apostles being given this ministry of reconciliation. They were ambassadors, special ambassadors for Christ, they were witnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Paul was as he saw Jesus on the road to, to Damascus. And they were going out even among not just the Jews but the Gentiles preaching this continually. And Paul tells us some of what his motivation is. The love 
of Christ compels us. Maybe some of you are more sure about this than I am. Maybe through further study I'll learn more about it. But I'm not really for sure. I don't know for sure if this is Christ's love for Paul that compels him or Paul's love for Christ that compels him. But regardless of which one for sure it is, aren't both of those true? I mean, shouldn't both God's love for us and our love for God compel us to do what? Compel us to want to go to heaven, act like we want to go to heaven, and want and act like we want to take anyone and everyone with us. I mean, that's what... I mean, think about this, this whole context here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says in verse 18, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then he goes on in chapter 5, verses 1 and following. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What's Paul's main goal? Is that exactly what ours should be, to go to heaven. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring. Oh, what, what is your desire, Paul? What are you looking forward to? What's your purpose? To be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. I want to go, I want to go to heaven. Is this what my life looks like in everyday life? When I go to work, when I come home, in, in, with my marriage, in my family, at school, in my, my social life. Paul says, verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 5, While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, please, rather, notice what he says. To be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul's basically saying exactly what was read for us a few moments ago from Philippians chapter 1. That for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was saying, what's your number one goal? My number one goal, Paul says, is I'm ready to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And then notice what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul connects to this very thought. Our number two goal which is, therefore, knowing the, the terror of the Lord, we pers persuade men. We're looking out for their best interest, and not just, though we should, their physical interest, much, 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 much more, their spiritual interest, even if they don't even know what they are. Paul says, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we, pers we persuade men. We must all appear, he says in verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to go persuade men. We have... Yes, some might say, well, this is particularly, especially applied to the apostles who were specially chosen and were immersed by the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit and could be actual witnesses because they had seen Jesus. But have we not all been sent in commission? You know, the Apostle Paul, his, his main goal was to go to heaven. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is our goal. This is our goal. He says, just a few verses later there in Philippians chapter 3, he said, Many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He, he talks about how he, he talks 
in a very sad state about those who are outside of Christ. But he says in the previous verse, verse 17, to follow my example. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Paul had as his purpose to go to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. I mean, think about the, just the Great Commission. We've been given this Great Commission. God wants us to go to heaven and He wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. God wants us to recognize His authority, Matthew 28, 18, and go, or as we go, make disciples of all nations. It doesn't matter their color. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their socioeconomic level. It doesn't matter if they are from Elmore County or Los Angeles, California. This is our goal. You say, well, Eric, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, maybe I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm not going to go be a, a missionary. So, uh, you know, how can I say that maybe number two is my goal? Well, I think we ought to ask ourselves first, really, is this really your goal? Is your goal exemplified in your everyday life by, you know what, I want to go to heaven more than anything. And uh, this is not only my goal, it's the goal that I have in my marriage. This, this is what I want. You know, if Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, if, if, God, if God's Son gave His life for the church, and I know physically husbands ought to be willing and ready to, to sacrifice their lives in a heartbeat for their God-given wives. But you know, even more than that, what's even more noble than that is that we would sacrifice our physical lives or do whatever sacrifice needs to be done to help lead an unbelieving spouse to Christ or to help continue to encourage believing spouses, those who are already Christians, to walk in the light. And is, is this, let me just ask ourselves, parents, moms and dads, if we were, if someone was to ask your children, what are your parents, what is your mom, what is your dad, what are their main goals in life? And what are their main personal goals and what are their main goals for this family? I hope that every child in here could genuinely say, you know what, my parents' main goals, their, their main goals are to go to heaven and take any and everyone with them that will go, including and especially those. Who do you have more influence over than anyone in this world if you're married and if you have children? And grandparents certainly have a measure of influence over grandchildren and uncles and aunts have some kind of influence over nephews and nieces, we have people that we can influence. Who better than those closest to us who know us best? Are these our, our two main goals? Are these what, is this what we want for our country? Not that we are so naive as to think that every single person, the 300 plus million people in this country or on this planet are going to receive eternal life because they have unfortunately so many rebelled against God. But what is our hope? What is our our prayer. You know, I, I think I know what is best for this country in many ways. 
whether it be with who I think ought to be leading this country or what kind of policies ought to be implemented, etc., etc. But, you know, what we should be hoping for and praying most of all, isn't it basically Paul's prayer? Do you recall in Romans chapter 10? He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. This was his country, his countrymen. And he wanted this so bad that in the previous chapter, in Romans chapter 9 and verse 3, he said, I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. That's how bad that he wanted his countrymen to be saved. Young people, what about at school? You know, if someone said, well, what is your main goal in school? Or maybe at work. If someone says, well, my main goal in school is to learn as much as possible so that I can get a good job one day. Or if my main goal at work is to work as much as possible, as hard as possible, to make as much money as possible. I'd just like to ask you if, if you think that's true success. I think sometimes we have failed in raising up younger generations to think that this is their goal. When their goal is to go to heaven and take as many people as possible with them. So what does that look like at school? Well, it looks like someone drops a book. Maybe you've been down to, to help pick, pick it up. You see someone crying and sitting at a table by themselves. Maybe you go sit by them. Maybe you see and you know someone has lost a relative, a family member, a mom or dad. You send them a card and say, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. Maybe it's you're asking them to come to a Bible study. Maybe you're, and by the way, you're, you're trying to make straight A's too, but you understand what's most important in life. I mean, those of you who've read the book Muscle and a Shovel, you know who the hero of that book was? It's Randall. Let me ask you something. What was Randall's main purpose in life? He was working at the same place that Mike Shank was working. If I recall correctly, he was working maybe in like the shipping department or something like that. But as you read the book, you read what his main purpose was. His main purpose was he was keeping an eye out on people that, that he would you know, try to share the gospel with. Maybe it was a simple act like, I'm going to go by and get Krispy Kreme donuts. I can eat about half of them, and I can give about half of them away. But I can give about half of them away. And you know what? Someone that I might give a Krispy Kreme donut to, they might want to have a, a Bible study with me. And if I strike out the first time, maybe after a month or two of letting my light shine there at the workplace, because I'm not using filthy language, and I'm trying to be positive, and I'm not being grouchy all the time, and I'm not complaining all the time, let all, let all things, Paul said, be done without murmuring and complaining. Uh-oh, somebody just stepped on my toes, didn't they? Uh-oh. You see how the two main goals in life, it just simplifies Christianity. And sometimes it just knocks us straight between the eyes. What's your main goal in life? What's my main goal in life? With my social life, with our church family. I mean... It is the love that I show for the people in front of me, behind me, next to me, on either side, and all around me, in this congregation, in the Lord's church overall, does this reflect what my main goal is? Or does, the, does my daily actions or inaction reflect that really my main goal is not going to heaven and taking everyone and anyone who will choose Jesus Christ 
to go to heaven. That's really not, not what's going on here. Or is my prayer life, does this reflect what my main goals are? Am I praying for God's church? Am I praying for the local congregation here? Am I praying for those all around me? You know what happens, don't you, when we pray for people? You know, it's like whatever maybe criticisms we have of them. Now, I realize if there are sins that we need to repent of, you may think, well, people just keep criticizing me. Well, maybe they're really actually loving you. Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten, Revelation 3.19, quoting the Old Testament. What does my love reflect about my goals? What does my prayer life reflect about my goals? What does my calendar? You know, when you lay out your 365 days in 2020 and you have all of this stuff on your calendar, let me ask you, what do you have about God on your calendar? What do you have about God's church on your calendar? What do you have about spiritual things on your calendar? 365 days a year. 24 hours in a day. What is it, 168 hours in a week? What does your calendar say about your goals? What about your participation? What about your attendance? What about your giving? What about me? Am I sacrificing like God wants me to, to sacrifice? What does this say about me? What does it say about you? Don't you think that if we thought about this more, talked about this more, that it simplifies really who I am and what I am and whose I am? Let me just ask you something. If, if there was video footage of you or me over the last month or the last year, what would it say about our goals? You know, again, I've told, you know, Paul said after saying that, that Jesus Christ, he came for the purpose of saving sinners, and he says, of whom I am chief. I'm going to tell you something. Eric is right up there with the Apostle Paul in being the sinner part and not near up there with him in being the servant part. When I think about if I could look back and see how I acted in this situation and that situation, even as a grown man, just doing some dumb, selfish, sinful things. Well, I failed there. But by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I can have a new beginning. I can walk in newness of life. And even after becoming a Christian, through faith, confession of that faith in Jesus Christ, turning away from sin and being immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins, even then... When I'm trying to walk in the light and I fail, maybe in part or in large part because I don't have my two main goals set in front of me continually, let's wake up thinking about this. Let's go to bed thinking about this. Let's be motivated to continue onward and upward thinking about this, allowing this to affect my life and your life. But when we fail, let's confess our sins to the Creator, to the Savior, to our judge. Let's tell Him we're sorry, we're not perfect. First John chapter 1, He's, always, he's already told us we're not but there is a way through Jesus Christ to be faithful and continue to have the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us even in our imperfected, our imperfect walk in the light. What are your two main goals? Are they to go to heaven and to take anyone and everyone with you? That's possible.
Is this your goal at, at school? Is this your goal at work? Is this your goal for this congregation? I mean, you in this congregation want to go to heaven and you want to take as many people with you as possible. What does that look like? Disinterested? Not very, you know, uh, not very involved? Just a sideline person who doesn't want to think about the cares of others? Or you want to be like, so many of the deacons that I saw at our elders, ministers, and deacons meeting this last week, who I know after a hard, long day of work, spent over two hours talking about, yeah, it's kind of a long meeting, I know. We had, we had myself and some other long-winded one there. I know, I, I apologize. Two hours, what was the purpose? After a long day of work, after getting up next morning to do some more work, they're, they're interested. You all need to thank our deacons in this congregation for the work they do that most people don't know anything about. Not just our deacons, but maybe our Bible class teachers who sacrifice time and effort. Maybe they're working all week and they're coming here teaching on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning. Why do they do that? Why do you do that? Why should you might want to prepare yourself to do that? Because you want to go to heaven and you want every one of these young people and every one of the older members and every person here to go to heaven. If you need to respond to God's invitation this morning, won't you do so as we stand and as we sing?